Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. With their sponsorship of episode 212 of the Read to Lead podcast, FreshBooks cloud accounting software is making it easy for you to try them out with absolutely no obligation. Get access to 100% of FreshBooks features for 30 days when you visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. If you can get the feature set nailed down and if you can get the outcome nailed down it's that value proposition what is the outcome going to be from that service then price all of a sudden kind of starts to become relevant hello and welcome to the read to lead podcast this is the podcast it's dedicated to your personal and professional growth i'm jeff brown and believe that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life that intentional and consistent reading is a must And the Read to Lead podcast is going to help you narrow this ever-important reading list and bring you key insights and valuable ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. Today, we get to hear from across the pond, Mr. Robin Waite. That's W-A-I-T-E. He's the author of Take Your Shot, How to Grow Your Business, Attract More Clients, and Make More Money. I'm going to ask Robin to share some tips for staying on top of your goals rather than doing what a lot of us, especially in service-based businesses, do, and that's constantly jump from one activity to the next. Some of the common pricing mistakes he sees coaches and other service providers make, understanding the lifetime value of your customers, and much, much more. In short, if you're a coach or a part of a service-based business, today's episode is especially for you. If you like what you hear today and you want to dig in a little more, you'll find the show notes for today's episode at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 212 for episode 212. The studies I'm reading say that going on into next decade, the percentage of people working for themselves, freelancing, etc., going up about 10% from about 30% of the population, at least here in the States, to about 40% of the population. And whether you're included in that group now or you think you will be in the near future, you need a cloud accounting software solution. And that's where our sponsor, FreshBooks Cloud Accounting Software, comes in. FreshBooks understands what people like us need. They've made their software ridiculously easy to use by simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online. You might say they've drastically reduced the time it takes for over 5 million people to deal with paperwork. I'm one of them. They've recently rebuilt the FreshBooks platform from the ground up, taking simplicity and speed to an entirely new level and added powerful new features. And they say by using their software, you can reclaim two working days per month. If you're a business owner, a freelancer, soon will be, you can take advantage of their special 30-day free trial. They're giving you access to 100% of their features, no obligation, no credit card needed. Just visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. 
From 2004 to 2014, Robin Waite ran a successful design and advertising agency serving several hundred clients. And uh, during that same time, he helped over a thousand business owners improve their marketing, product architecture, pricing, websites, and digital advertising through workshops and masterclasses. He is now one of the most successful business coaches in the UK, running his fearless business coaching program that's designed to help businesses double revenue within as little as six months. And his latest book to help more businesses do just that is called Take Your Shot, How to Grow Your Business, Attract More Clients, and Make More Money. Yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) Robin, welcome officially to the Read to Lead podcast. Excited to have you here. Oh, thank you. I'm super excited to be here as well. Thank you. Well, when I first picked up the book, I was not expecting the kind of book that it was going to be, the structure, uh, the format, uh, the method you chose to deliver your key points. And I'm curious if you could maybe describe that a little bit and and answer why you chose to to go that route. I thought that was very intriguing. Oh, thank you. No, it's, it was um, a bit of a personal project. So my first book, I, I kind of did it very much as a how-to guide. And I realized there's so many business books out there that are a little bit kind of a bit dry and a bit, um, I, I struggled to kind of engage with them. But um, there was a couple of books which I've I've read more recently that were told as a narrative. And I thought it would be a bit of a creative challenge to write a story, a parable, as opposed to a how-to book. So that's kind of what I did. And, and Russ was a, he was one of my earliest coaching clients. And I actually tell the story quite a lot when I'm out doing sort of speaking in front of audiences. And everybody kept on coming up to me going, you should write a book about that. You should write a book about that. So effectively, I just told the story in, in book form. Obviously, it's slightly elongated, but I told, I just wanted to tell that story. And most people who've read it have said they've picked it up and just haven't been able to put it down. So hopefully that's a testament to, um, to how engaging it is. Is in that structure. It, it is. It really is engaging. And when I picked it up, I basically read it through without putting it down. I just sat down in one sitting and went through the whole thing. I was going to say, you're not the first. I have to send out a public <laughs> public warning whenever I with the book to say that basically it'll take an hour and a half or two hours of your time and you won't be able to put it down. Well, as, as you've worked, Russ, uh, Russ, <laughs> we're getting into the characters of the book now. As, <laughs> as you've worked, Robin, with the owners of, of, of service-based businesses, what are, what are some effective methods you've found for, for helping them stay focused on their goals rather than doing what so many of us do, I think myself included, constantly jumping from one thing to the next? Uh, well, well, first of all, it's it's a bit of a mistaking me for Russ is quite intriguing because actually part, <laughs> part of Russ obviously comes through in the book. So yeah. um, obviously Russ is a real character, but the emotional side of what goes into the book, I had to draw on my own personal experiences from. So uh, it's interesting you made that kind of <laughs> that, that kind of faux pas, but it wasn't really. But uh, um, no, in terms of keeping um, keeping focused on the goals. So really what I help people through my coaching program is to um, to slow down in order to speed up. So what I mean by that is that um, because most business owners are busy doing, and this is something um, Michael Gerber talks about in the E-Myth, he talks about being a tactician. So we start a business and then we get stuck in just delivering, going through the delivery processes, because that's what we used to do when we had jobs. <laughs> so my job is to stop people from just doing the delivery and remember that they 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 started up their own business because they had this entrepreneurial spirit and this entrepreneurial sort of idea so i remind them they have to stop and think about that entrepreneurial idea and also remind them they need to be a bit of a manager in their business mm-hmm. and and take a look at all of the activities they're doing from a tactical perspective and make sure that they're they're still pointing towards their, taking them towards their goals. And that, that seems to be enough to kind of get people re-energized because the, 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 the thing that 
points out that I need to make them stop and slow down tends to be they're they're reaching some kind of a burnout or there's a, a frustration with one element of their business it could be marketing or sales or whatever it might be and they're just this is actually stopping them from making any progress at all yet they still seem very very busy so yeah definitely just slow slow down to speed up is I think the one one massive takeaway I know for me once I've identified what my my major goals are for the year on any given week, based on those goals, I write down my, my big three. What are the three things I've got to accomplish this week that will get me closer to that? And then as each day begins, it's, okay, what are my, my daily big three? What are the three things today I need to complete that get me closer to those three things for the week that get me closer to the bigger long-term goals? And it sounds like that's kind of a similar process you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you've hit the nail on the head there because you, you, it sounds like to me like you're prioritizing. So there's sort of two or three different levels of how important those um, those activities are that mm-hmm. get you close towards your goals. So no, that's, that's exactly what I do. And then the beauty of it is once you've kind of written down a list of what those activities Activities are for that for that week or month or however long it is you can actually create something called a default diary mm. so if you know that you know 70% of your time is spent delivering 10% of it needs to be in sales 20% needs to be in marketing you can actually block out chunks of time on a regular basis out of your default diary and that just keeps people on point and I actually it's easy enough to draw it out in a bit of paper but then you need your calendar to be a bit of a boss to you so <laughs> If, if you if you calendar if you then put those um, say for example if it's you know marketing Monday every Monday morning you do some marketing activities put it into your Outlook or Google Apps um, calendar as a reminding um, diary entry because then a if somebody says oh can we meet up on Mondays you've got to put look at your diary and override it so you've got to go against what the boss is telling you to do um, mm-hmm. if you want to book in that meeting um, and b also it's a, it's just a simple way of reminding you so you wake up on Monday morning and you're like great okay it's like putting the run, running shoes next to your bed great I've got to get up and I've got to do some marketing today well I wonder if you could speak to why uh, many service providers uh, Robin fail to effectively onboard their new clients and and what you would recommend they do about it if they want to get better at this very important skill. Yeah, of course. So I think one of the biggest mistakes is um, we as I suppose business owners, entrepreneurs, we tend to focus on the front end of the sales. So we just kind of want to get to the sale part as quickly as we possibly can. And I, I don't know if it's, um, I think it's a bit of millennial mindset kicking in here. So, hmm. um, you know, the human to human element seems to be kind of disappearing, which is a real shame because like, you know, people do buy from people at the end of the day. I can come up with all sorts of cliches around that. But <laughs> um, but but ultimately, we're not, we're not asking the right questions right from the start. All we're doing is focusing on the sale. And again, it's similar to similar to the first question you asked me actually about um you know what can businesses do well actually if you, if you slow down a little bit mm. and spend a bit more time getting to know that client then you'll understand whether they're going to be a good client or not so part of my process with um i, I only work with service-based businesses typically who are kind of exchanging time for money so it's a bit easier in that space and i'll explain sort of what's the opposite to that in a second but um but essentially having some kind of an assessment process or a quiz or something like that just means that there's a, a transaction is happening but it's there's no no cost to say associated with it so you know go and fill out my assessment form and then I'll, I'll think about booking you in for a consultation and and then after after the assessment form comes back you can sit down with the consultation which is where the human to human element comes in so whether that's face to face or over skype or something like that um and that's it's not just about getting to know the client and their problems it's also an opportunity for the prospect to get to know you and whether there's a good 
good fit here so whether there's the relationship is going to be good or not um it's harder for so this is on the flip side it's harder for um business to consumer businesses to necessarily do this or they they can have some element of a an assessment sort of process consultation process in there and it doesn't work at all for e-commerce businesses because that's very transactional and lower lower sort of ticket price but i think the more you charge the more touch points you've got to have in before you kind of close the sale in, 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 the, in the narrative, in the story, this fictional coach, David, is imploring his client, Russ, who is the golf coach, to get to his, his whys. He, he asks, why do your clients want to improve their golf game and, and why are they choosing you? Talk a bit about how you help your clients get to the, to the answer to the, these two questions and, and why they're so important. Yeah, so what, what drove that bit of the, the conversation in the book was um, Russ had two major problems. So the first one was if it rained on a Saturday, for example, anything up to six out of eight of his clients wouldn't show up. And he generally had a problem with clients kind of coming in and then drifting away. Um, you know, so they would, they would miss the odd lesson here or there and then they would start to miss lessons consistently and then they would just drift. The second problem was, which was um, more more of an issue, was that he was collecting cash at the end of the lesson, which meant that obviously if they didn't show up, he didn't get paid. <laughs> and not only that, but um, he was giving uh, five pounds uh, out of each lesson to the um, the owner of the golf course to, to rent the bay out where he gave the lessons. So at the end of the day, if six clients didn't show up, he'd make ten pounds. And if um, and he would, he lived about an hour away from the course, so all of that was going on fuel. He could he could earn nothing on a on a poor day, um, which was ludicrous. But the reason why the two wives were important and what became very apparent with Russ and why his clients were drifting was um, because he wasn't asking them about why they were coming to him to play golf. He, he was asking questions like, what clubs do you play with? How long have you been playing for? When can you start lessons? So there was nothing in there about a specific sort of outcome. And actually, one of the examples which um, which Russ gave me was that one of his clients had come to him and said, look, I've, I've been put into a four ball in a competition, work competition, in a few weeks' time. And they've put me in the same four ball as the MD of this big company. And I really want to impress him. So I just want to outdrive him on the off the first tee. <laughs> I was like, there you go. That's why people are coming to you for lessons. It's mm. not It's not about just improving the game. There is a specific reason why people want to improve their game. And straight away from there, we were able to identify several areas of the game which people generally wanted to improve. Obviously, it would improve their overall score. But most of it came down to they just wanted to impress their mates. <laughs> and they wanted to enjoy the game a bit more, you know. Mm. So when, when I look at other businesses, I'm not interested really in the features of their product or service. It's kind of irrelevant to me. But the thing that's really important to me is what is the outcome that that um, my clients are delivering for their clients? Because if we can't get to that, if we can't if we can't answer that one question, they don't really have a product or a service. It would be a bit like going into a BMW dealership, and the salesman isn't really asking you about your family or whether you want to go off road or anything like that. And so he just he sells you the little i i one or whatever it's called now. But actually, you want to go you know trekking out in in, in the desert or something like that. So actually, you need the X5. If you don't ask the right questions, you're not not going to end up with the right sort of result and outcome. Yeah, one of the, 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 the biggest eye-opening moments for me in reading the book, and it was for the, the character Russ as well, is this realization that he needed to turn his services or the, the, the revelation that he could turn his services into into products. Yeah. And you know what? There's a, pretty much every service based businesses, they struggle with it. So mm -hmm. I always start off a lot of my talks with, OK, so who here run, sells products? Who here sells services? And a majority of the hands always go up selling services. And I'm like, no, you're all wrong. You actually all sell products. And these are the reasons why. So 
products have a specific set of features okay so that bmw i mentioned it has it has a steering wheel it's got four walls it's it's black it's got you know maybe smoked windows and a two liter engine in it and that's the same as same as a service a service might happen over a specific amount of time it, it will have a certain number of things being sort of being put into it so a web design service for example we're going to build you so many pages you're going to get some support and hosting it will be built built on a certain platform but the, the key thing that then is like i said it's that value proposition. What is the outcome going to be from that service? If you if you can get the feature set nailed down, if you can get the outcome nailed down, then price all of a sudden kind of starts to become relevant. You can charge whatever you want within reason. So we, with Russ, we were able to move him out of charging effectively a, a time for money type um, charge, so £25 per hour lesson, and basically charging for an eight-week program. So the features of his product all of a sudden became, you know, eight lessons doing one targeting one specific thing. Mm. Plus, you have to practice two or three times in between. And if you agree, if you do all of those things, then we will produce this outcome. And then you, you charge them for the eight week program and the outcome, not for the eight lessons, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, and and I started thinking about ways I could change that in my in my own business, uh, and and have a little bit more success with that. And a lot of service based businesses are kind of like they they focus on the front end, the actual sort of sale, mm-hmm. and the delivery. They kind of just go, oh, well, we'll kind of just wing it. And actually, I, I don't I don't think that that's well, it's definitely not the right way to do it. Having a contract which says me as the the service provider or product provider i'm going to do x or all of these things and you as the client there's some things you've also got to do with me and we agree those two things up front and kind of get and well not kind of you actually get the client to sign on the dotted line mm. and say yeah i'm going to agree to do, do those things at a specific time and date um and and we'll work together to make this happen i think with a lot of service-based business there's, there's this notion and I, I used to find this a lot with my agency as well um especially in sort of the creative industries with web web design people come to you and say just just go and build me a website i don't want anything to do with this i'm not technical just go and build me a website and i and i'm i'm there going well no actually you kind of need to give me content and photographs and i need to understand like why why you need me to build this website what are the objectives of it you know do you want to generate leads through it or just do you want to be entertaining or or whatever so with a with a service-based business i think um we don't we don't want to just be purely service-based we don't want to have to do everything the client has to take some ownership of that mm. and that's when you get the best results i'm wondering uh, robin if you can speak uh, too to the importance of, of understanding uh, the lifetime value uh, of your customers absolutely 100 percent. so um thinking about the the difference between the front end and the back end now so the front end sale is like selling a product upfront just a just a one-off and we fall into the trap then as business owners that we we are onboarding clients like one by one by one by one by one and it's just it goes on and on and on and we're constantly selling constantly marketing constantly having to deliver that's not a bad thing to be is if part of that sales process can be automated great but i think for a lot of small businesses especially service-based businesses that's not possible so i try and help business owners to develop products which have some kind of um uh, value on the back end so again, thinking about um, uh, Russ was a simple one because he had five products and somebody would come in and do the drive 30 yards further product and then complete that eight week course. And then they'd come and do the lower your handicap course. Mm. So he had that repeat business coming in and he didn't have to re sort of go through the, the sales and marketing process. But there's there's other ways as well. So coming going back to my web design days, so we, we used to charge a certain amount upfront for web design, but we would also then charge a, a fixed monthly fee for um 
uh, support and hosting. Mm. And actually, the reality was those support and hosting contracts were worth sort of a lot more in the long term to us than that front end fee for doing the website. Mm. So that, that what we discovered was if we charged a bit more for the front end fee on the website, it, it would act as a qualifier in its own right. You know, does this person have enough money? Mm -hmm. um, it, it's not as simple as that. We obviously also delivered more value as a result of it, but mm -hmm. that was part of the compromise. But it meant then that it was easier to ask for the, the support and hosting on the back end and add more value there because that they understood the value of it. So we would make three times the amount of value on the back end with support and hosting than we would on the front end for, for build fees. Mm -hmm. Um, because we would just build up a bank of like, really loyal customers. That actually saw my agency through the recession back in sort of 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. And in my local area, there was about 50 web design companies. And by the end of the recession, there was only five of us left, and we were one of those. Mm -hmm. And it was it was mostly down to the fact that we focused not on the front end of selling websites, but actually we were selling websites and support and hosting. Most of the clients I work with will double their income within a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to make false promises, but a lot of my clients, I had 30 clients last year who did it within six months. Mm. I did have one client who was um, a small, uh, it was a husband and wife web design um, agency who were earning about a thousand pounds a month. So probably what's that about $1,200, $1,300 a month. Um, when we first met within three months, we doubled that within eight months, we trebled it. And mm. then um, just recently we, we clocked over a year and they're just getting up to about 4,000 pounds a month now. Mm. And that, that is through them really focusing heavily on, on, they were charging about eight pounds a month for support and hosting. And I said, no, no, we're going to create a product where you can charge five times that basically for support and hosting. Mm. So they add in extra layers of security, a, a better service level agreement, um, and an extra hours worth of support time built in within that. So the, the clients are getting constant touch points. Mm. And and very quickly, they've, they've been able to grow that business. And it might sound like small, like very modest amounts of money. But for my clients, this is for, for Rich and Amy, um, the web design couple, for them, it's the difference between moving out of rented accommodation and being able to save up for a deposit for a mortgage, mm. you know, and actually move into a bigger house. They've got a young, two young kids as well. And so what I do, I, I kind of, I change lives basically, you know, one client at a time. And it's, it's thoroughly enjoyable. And like I said, if it, once people get to grips with these, these concepts and they're just a bit, bit braver, a bit more fearless over um, making large bold price increases but being able to understand the true value that they can deliver mm. um that's when the, the the really fun juicy stuff starts to happen because I, I think a lot of mm. a lot of business owners they just really undervalue themselves really undersell themselves i think you're exactly right and and, and that's that's the key distinction we're not talking here about just you know raising your prices it's understanding the value you bring and being able to effectively uh, communicate that Hundred percent, absolutely, and 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 it's my job. Like I said, well, not my job. Um, Michael Gerber said, you know, it's the tactician. Like Richard was very much a tactician in that business. That's mm -hmm. all he was doing was building websites. And I think if you can't do the um, the entrepreneurial bit. Um, find somebody who can and that's where a, a business coach specifically can come in and be helpful because they can help you um, develop that vision for your business and help you through making those decisions that uh, you would normally find quite difficult to make on your own because actually business is is really hard and I think that the internet has made it 10 times harder and the reason for that is um, I, I'm thinking about some sort of uh, I'm going to throw some UK statistics out there I don't <laughs> it's probably it or transgress I should think across the um, the Atlantic and probably worldwide, but 25 years ago, so the internet was officially 25 in 20, 2017. At the dawn of the internet age, there was only 468,000 registered businesses in the UK. Now there's 3.9 million. Mm. So what that means is that 
every business, every sector is 10 times more saturated than it was before. There's 10 times the amount of competition. And the internet is supposed to have made it easier, but in reality, it's 10 times harder. You know, we've got this global marketplace. You've got people who are building websites sort of in, in Asia and the Far East who are undercutting the prices over here. And there's all sorts of complexities around um, sort of communication and things like that. And just, you know, there's no new ideas. There will never be a new Facebook. And I think once a business owner really kind of gets to grip with that concept, actually, it makes life a bit easier mm. because then it's like, well, there's 3.9 million businesses out there, but I only need a few of them to kind of buy into what I'm doing. I only need my my small tribe to get what I'm doing and I can have a really prosperous business. You talk about statistics. Uh, some of these stats I've seen in the U.S. along the lines of, of the workforce and the makeup of the workforce suggest that by 2020, I think it's, and I'm probably going to mess up these percentages, but I think by 2020, it's 30% of us will be freelancing. And by 2030, as many as 40% will be freelancing yep. or working for ourselves. And so as more people venture into that space, more people are going to need to understand the concepts you're talking about here. 100%. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think those I back those stats up. I know a number of people, um, influencers over over here, are saying that the number of businesses is going to double by 2020. So, mm. you know, over here, that's uh, probably about 40% of the workforce mm. will be running their own businesses. So I think it's phenomenal. I think it's a great opportunity. I think, I think there's no better time to start up your own business than now because there's all these fantastic sort of um, SaaS based tools out there you can you can publish your own books you can you know you can start up a podcast you can get out to tens if not hundreds of thousands of people um, and, and build tribes and 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 you can kind of um, innovate and build your own products but you have to understand that that is the nature of the beast that we're dealing with nowadays mm -hmm. like I said otherwise you're going to be launching a business into this world not realizing that there is so much competition and it can be quite overwhelming I think to a lot of people mm, definitely definitely well I want to ask you a couple of questions Robin if I may that aren't directly related uh, to the book but before I do that is there anything else you want to make sure we know so I think one of one of the key messages which I'm I'm telling my clients and a lot of people I'm speaking to at the moment is that um the the world of marketing is kind of changing quite dramatically. So thinking about um thinking about Russ and his story about asking that that sort of that question about why his clients came to him. Mm. You know the old saying sell to people what they what they need not what they want. Mm. Yeah. So I actually think that's wrong. I think nowadays what we've got to do is market to what people want, sell them what they want and then give them what they need. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, so yeah. The, the marketing message like nowadays, especially for businesses who are service based, um, tends to be quite staid and very vanilla. So they just go through the features of their products and maybe list the odd benefit. But I actually think we need to speak volumes. We need to really back ourselves and speak volumes about what outcomes we can create for people. Mm. Um because that's the only way to make us stand out amongst this noise. Imagine if I if I went out there marketing my fearless coaching program and saying, hey, I can make your business run a bit better. It's a bit weak, isn't it, compared to I can double your turnover in six months. Mm. You know, so I encourage people to just to be a bit more brave with what they're doing in their marketing message and, and find out exactly what it is that your clients want. Um, I, I did a post recently on LinkedIn about, um, and I started to, you know, realize that actually most small business owners want leads. So to test the marketplace, I just put a post on LinkedIn about, you know, does your business need more leads? And it, it was the most popular post I've put out yet in terms <laughs> of likes, shares, comments. And it seems to be the biggest problem everybody's got. So now I've got to go and answer that that problem. And I've got a number of resources that I'm pulling together at the mm -hmm. moment to create a challenge for it. But clearly there are a, you've got to you've got to really deeply understand your your client's biggest problem and market to that and also sell them that. Because if you're not confident, you can't if you can't give a money back guarantee, 
then you shouldn't be selling that product or service. Mm. And then finally, you go into features and you deliver whatever it is that they want. Excellent. Well, uh, I want you to think, uh, put your thinking cap on here, Robin, and, and, and think about uh, the books that you have read over the years. I'm sure there are many. What would you say are the, are the two or three titles that, that immediately come to mind as having had a big impact on you and maybe share why or how they impacted you uh, as they did? Yeah. So one of the first books which I read during my sort of early self-development days was a book called um, Built to Sell by a guy called John Warrilow. Yeah. It's a really great book. His main character is uh, this guy running a, a creative a web agency or marketing agency. And he, he's been building it for 20 odd years. And then he thinks, oh, I've, I've had enough of this. I want to sell it. And his mentor says, well, your business isn't worth anything because you're a jack of all trades and master at none. Mm-hmm. So it, it goes on this journey then of um, uh, his mentor guiding him. It's a bit, little bit like Take Your Shot, actually, but mm-hmm. It, it had a major influence on me. So that's probably why I kind of followed a similar sort of format. But it's a really fantastic way of looking at narrowing down like to our, our core area of expertise and getting the reader to focus on doing just one thing and doing it really well. That's what generates the most amount of value. And then another quite kind of um, inspirational book was actually Elon Musk by Ashley Vance. Mm. I suppose I had a lot of preconceived ideas about what this great entrepreneur was about, what he was like <laughs> and his character and things like that. Vance has a great way of just really humanizing this guy and getting across what his his mission is in life it just is so grounding and i think so spectacular imagine if all of the business owners and entrepreneurs in the world had the same drive that elon musk has got imagine where we would be if anybody ever tells me you know oh i don't have enough time to do something i'm like but elon musk has got exactly the same time and he sends space rockets you know <laughs> to the moon so you can't give me that excuse <laughs> Well, as a uh, successful public speaker, and of course, you're delivering workshops all the time. I'm curious to know how you hold people's attention. What are what are some of your tips for delivering an impactful and memorable public talk as you get in front of groups? Uh, two things. So first of all, I think you have to have a mission. So it's got to be a reason and a purpose why you're standing up in front and you know, speaking to people. Mm. And the, the second thing then to enable that is you've got to be good at telling stories. A lot of the audience was, which I go and sit in front of, you know, there's a lot of stuff about something called GDPR over here in the UK at the moment. So it's very complex data regulation, which is going around. Mm. And there's loads of really dull, boring talks going on about GDPR. <laughs> it's like sickening. And But none of them are telling stories. And I'm, I, I, I said to this guy who's just about to stand up and do, do a talk on um, another GDPR talk and just yet another gdpr talk and i said to him look just um you know there's a lot of scaremongering and things like that and people are talking about the fines but actually i think what will really grab people's attention is if you give two or three examples of practical things that small business owners are doing like you know where people have made mistakes and he stood up he deleted his slide deck in front of everybody and then he just told told a couple of stories and it was it was just absolutely fantastic Mm. about List, list sizes versus open rates, which sounds a bit dull, but the way he did it was so clever. And it was just telling a real life story about how people were, were managing their data. So, so yeah, so I tell stories about my clients. Like the reason why I wrote Take Your Shot is because I was telling stories about Russ and how I helped him. And it's just a great way of conveying information about what you do. Mm. Well, I know the book is is coming up on its, uh, I think it's one year anniversary here in a couple of months. So it's been out for a little while. So I'd be curious to know uh, what you're working on now. What's what's coming up around the corner for you and your team that you're you're excited about? Yeah, so I'm I'm working on a sequel to Take Your Shot at the uh-huh. moment. So it's just specifically aimed at creative agencies. That'll be out uh, probably towards the end of the summer. And I've I've also just launched another book very, very quietly because I had quite a good book launch process with both my books. So mm. I'm mentoring uh, on a 
a business book writing course at the moment. And one of the things I promised them was a, a bit of a workshop on how to promote their books once it goes live. So I thought, well, there's 10,000 words. I might as well turn it into a book. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of, kind of, I'm just busy um, producing content. But one of the things I got planned, which is really big for 2019, is I, I think the way people are consuming business related, like self-help, personal development um, material is changing quite dramatically at the moment. Mm. Um, so I've, I've got a plan uh, next year. I actually want to set up a, a business TV channel. Oh. Uh, so it'll start off online. The idea being that um, every day I'll be online at the same same time. So it'll be 10 a.m. till 1 p.m. UK time. I'll probably do something if it, if it when it starts to grow later on in the evening as well. But the idea being it's just it will be guest interviews. It will be business models. I'll be doing regular sort of challenges with all of the people who are, are members of it. Live workshops with people. So on the big screen, get guests on so that I can coach them live on TV mm. with a view that coaching is a funny one because unless you're paying a coach on a regular monthly basis to meet up with them face to face it's a lot of it's done on a one-to-one basis Mm. and I've noticed the biggest impacts that I've had with people has actually been in a group environment and I think well if you're going to do groups you might as well do big as you can possibly get let's try the world (laughs) (laughs) why not (laughs) yeah well the book again is called uh, take your shot how to grow your business attract more clients and make more money his name is Robin Wait, Robin, thank you so much for uh, being with us today and, and, and for sharing your expertise and experience with uh, all of us here at Read to Lead. Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. To find out more about Robin or to dig into any of the links and resources Robin and I shared, you can visit the show notes page created just for this episode. That's at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 212 for episode 212. Big thanks to Curtis McHale from Canada giving Read to Lead five stars in iTunes. Calls it a must-listen show. Thank you, Curtis. Curtis is also a member of our book club, Read to Lead University, where, among other things, we meet the fourth Wednesday of every month virtually and talk about the book we're reading and how we can help one another apply it to our lives. If you'd like to find out more about Read to Lead University and spend a few minutes with me face-to-face each and every month, you can check out readtoleaduniversity.com. We're so thankful to FreshBooks helping make the podcast free. You can find out more about their free 30-day trial and all the features included when you visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. At LensCrafters, we value expertly tailored eye care, provide state-of-the-art eye exams, offer a wide assortment of designer brands and high-quality lenses, because everything we do at LensCrafters is for every site that makes your life special. We offer 50% off lenses with frame purchase. Shop in-store and online. Book your annual eye exam now on LensCrafters.com. LensCrafters, because sight. Eye exams are available at the Independent Doctor of Optometry at or next to LensCrafters. Doctors in some states are employed by LensCrafters. Offer valid to April 2nd, 2023. See associate for details.